Look, our brains are great at lots of things, but remembering passwords is not one of them, especially not secure passwords. Let's free our brains from being password managers and get something way better. 1Password. 1Password keeps everything private and in sync across multiple devices. 1Password can't see the passwords or sensitive information you store in 1Password, so they can't use it, share it, or sell it, and neither can anyone else. I've been using 1Password for about 10 years now, and it's made my life so much easier, especially using it with Touch ID and Face ID. It's the first thing I install on any new phone, computer, or tablet I'm using for myself or my family. And all you have to remember is one strong account password that protects everything else your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. And I love that something I use to save me so many hours I can't even count them all is something you can try too. Right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at onepassword.com slash beyond for your growing business. That's two free weeks at onepassword.com slash beyond. Don't let security slow your business down. Go to onepassword.com slash beyond. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. This week I had the privilege of speaking with Allie Worthington, who is a wife, a mother, a speaker, a business owner, a blogger, an online magazine editor, an iPhone photographer, a humanitarian. I had the privilege of hearing Allie speak at John Acuff's Quitter Conference back in September of 2012, and she did an awesome job. We touch on some of the things that she spoke about in that speaking engagement, as well as all the different things she does and how she balances them in her life. But first, I wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you in part by GoToMeeting by Citrix. Meetings are essential for any business, but this time of year... Between holidays and sick days and vacation time and even the bad weather, getting everybody together for a meeting can sometimes be a pretty hard thing to do. However, if you're using GoToMeeting, you can meet anywhere with clients, with coworkers, regardless of if they're traveling or they are snowed in or homesick, you can meet. Try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. Don't wait. For this special offer, visit gotomeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the promo code PODCAST. Remember, use the promo code PODCAST. GoToMeeting. Meeting is believing. Well, this week, it is my privilege to bring you a conversation with... Allie Worthington, I guess I'm used to calling you Allie because that's your Twitter name, which is an awesome Twitter name, by the way. And uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me, Eric. Glad to be here. Yeah. So I first found out about you uh, when John Acuff announced the other speakers that were going to be at his Quitter conference back in September. And uh, so I saw you speak there live and I thought it was awesome. And I thought, I've got to have you come on the show. And as I did a little bit more digging or online stalking, whatever, um, 
I found out, okay, you've got all these different roles, and I was so curious as to how you're juggling them. So what I'd love to do is paint a little bit of a picture and talk about some of the different things you're doing, and especially the new one that you really want to share, and then kind of move into, okay, how are you managing your time and your attention and your your family as well as all these other roles that you have? So sound like a plan? Sounds great. Awesome. First and foremost, I'd love to ask you just a little bit about how and when did you start Blissfully Domestic, and what is that? Blissfully Domestic is an online magazine. It was started back in early 2008, and it was born of uh, my desire to have a place where all my friends who wrote um, on personal blogs could come together and bring in their thoughts on Um, happiness, productivity, and life at home. Um, I, if I can be quite honest, am not exactly a cook. So I would go to my friend's blogs who would would write out these amazing recipes and say, come and put it on the magazine and share it with the world. And it was great, especially in early 2008, because it was before all the huge media companies came on. So we were really just doing our own thing and having a blast, and it's still going strong today. So that's kind of grown into a couple other things. Like, for example, you have the Blistom Conference, which I saw mm-hmm. that John Acuff spoke at. And you're getting Scott Stratton, who I met in New York City at Blog World, and he's awesome. Uh, can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about what Blistom is? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, actually, um, John and Scott are both coming back this year. It to be the keynotes. Wow. And if you haven't seen the pictures, there's a great picture of a Wizard of Oz skit that we did a couple of years ago, and we actually put Scott in a pink fairy costume on stage. Oh, which, I've seen that picture. I did yeah. not know that that's where that was from. Yes, yes. We, we, he was a trooper and, uh, and bared it all, so to speak, <laughs> fitting into that dress. Yeah. So, uh, but Blixum is a conference. It was also started in 2008. Um, that started out as a blogging conference, um, but has morphed into more of an entrepreneurial conference. Uh, we have four main focuses, photography and video, writing, business, and life development. There's also a second conference in Toronto every year called Blissom Canada. And the goal of Blissom in general is to provide resources and learning opportunity and networking for a group of in the states about a thousand, mostly women. Um, we do we definitely cater to um, the the women contingent online, but we do have a few brave men who come every year. And what we want to do is we want to provide the tools to help navigate our entrepreneurial lives, whether. We, are, we have a job working for someone else or we're starting our own companies. We all, I'm sure your listeners um, will agree, we all know that the feeling of the future is that it's relatively unstable. So the more we can build up our skills, the better for whatever business we're in. Uh, we like to joke that instability is the new black. And nice. it's great just to get used to it and, and, and have all the tools ready for whenever life does get a bit chaotic. Yeah, that's definitely true. I know that a number of the interviews I've already done are are people who are very much in the entrepreneurial mode. And uh, I know that like, so for example, I know one of the things that like Dave Ramsey keeps saying is, you know, it's, it's not, uh, 
government that's going to fix the economy. It's the small business owners. So you're doing your part to kind of help that mm-hmm. out. Absolutely. So, and I'm, I guess I'm kind of trying to do that too, but from a side people don't necessarily look at, which is, I mean, people talk about, okay, here's how you run your business, but people don't connect back to, okay, that affects how you run your day-to-day operations of your life. And that's kind of what I'm trying to get help with is, is help people to know, you know, hey, your calendar and your to-do list and all these other things are really very much business oriented, even if you're not thinking about it. So, Absolutely. It's, it's huge because if, you, if there aren't systems in place um, to keep us on track as we're trying to balance all of these things coming at us, it, it makes it so much more difficult. Yeah, definitely. So, and that kind of connects to the fact that you, one of the things somebody has said about you is that you're very much a, a tribe creator, that that's kind of what your, your niche has been. And I can see that thread through, through all the different things you're about basically connecting people. And I know that at the Quitter Conference, you referenced this thing called uh, regular alley versus internet alley. <laughs> Would you mind talking mm-hmm. about that a little bit? Uh, sure. Uh, the funny story is before I started the conference and started uh, event speaking and uh, also do some consulting on the site, I was actually quite shy. And I found it very easy to say yes to new opportunities and and stick my neck out a little bit from behind my the safety of my laptop. For instance, the first conference we held, the morning of it, my, my co-founder said, okay, I'm going to handle this part. Before the speakers start, why don't you do the opening remarks? And I said, oh, opening remarks. And it, I never even considered that I would have to be in front of people because real-life Allie is a bit shy. And it was all Internet Allie behind my laptop saying, of course we can do it. And I managed it. And I, I actually ended up growing into the role of an entrepreneur and leader through just pretending like I wasn't afraid behind my laptop. But through the years of having to stick my neck out a little bit more all the time, I grew a little, a little more brave. I'm still a little bit nervous before I speak, but um, I'm not in full panic mode as I was back all those years ago. In other words, it's almost you were almost like Tony Stark, and you put on the Iron Man suit, and suddenly you could be brave. Absolutely, Internet Alley is ridiculously brave. It, it's real life Alley that has to go. Oh, I have to show up and do that. Yeah, that is going to be so difficult. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah obviously, it's not a, a case of split personality. It's more along the lines of. I don't know. the The internet allows you to to have that ability to just oh, it's just some text on a on a page. I can say yes to this. Absolutely, and also from failing so often on the internet, I became comfortable with failure mm. and realized if I have an idea that doesn't work out, or a, a, a new business that doesn't work out, or any of these things. It's so easy to close the laptop and and kind of go lick my wounds in the corner a little bit and then open the laptop again and go right back to it because you're almost a step away when you're practicing online. I say it's, it's, it's dipping your toes in the water. When you do something that doesn't work out online, you get a little more used to saying, okay, that didn't work, but I'm going to try something new. Whereas in our real lives, maybe we have experienced some sort of failure or rejection and 
because of the interpersonal relationships that are all around us all the time, it caused us to do whatever we could to not have to have that feeling again. Right. Yeah. Whereas so... I've had a, a, a bunch of things on the internet that have worked, but for every project I've started, I may have started one to two others that have been horrible failures, or bad ideas, but I've learned from it and been so transparent about it. And then what always happens is through a person that I worked on that project with or a part of the idea for the project, that will morph itself in the future to a project that needs to happen but just wasn't ready before. So it's almost like the failures are priming the pump, so to speak, for your future successes. Absolutely. Wonderful point. Thank you. I just came up with that. I'm gonna have to, yeah, I'm going to have to use that. <laughs> have to write that down. Excellent. Feel free yeah. to take that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so you're basically you're saying, yeah, that that by getting your failures out of the way and failing a lot, especially on the internet okay. because it allows you to do that, it's as if you're brainstorming in a way and you're like, "All right, let okay. me write down all the ideas." And then by writing them all down, by doing them all and attempting them all and failing some of them but not all of them, you figure out which ones are the right the right ones. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. That's really good. I mean, I'm one of those people who who has a trouble, you know, jumping in on stuff, trying things, and and I th- I think everybody out there could benefit from a little bit more failure in their lives, not major failures, you know, like bankruptcy mm-hmm. or anything like that, but just like try something, see if it works, and just it shakes loose the creativity, I guess, right? It does, and then it also toughens you up a bit for the difficulties that you're going to face in the future because M. Scott Peck started the great book, The Road Less Traveled, with life is hard, going to be difficult. And as soon as we are not surprised by our difficulties, the sooner we can better cope with life. All of it's hard. And when we stop being surprised that it's hard and we've developed systems to help us um, get through our difficulties, that's when things can really pick up and we can find our flow, so to speak. Yeah. So then has Internet Alley kind of been the instigator for you for your, I know you've got this thing called a life list and you've been checking things off. (laughs) Yes, yes. And, And it's definitely Internet Alley. I was prompted to start the life list by a friend um, on Twitter, she's Maggie. She did this famous life list years ago, and, and she tells all of her friends, Do make a life list. You will expand your horizon. So on a whim, I did, and I have. I've been checking items off. People know exactly where I am, what I want to do, what my, what my goals are. Sometimes I'll change my goals midstream and mark through it or say, oh, I'm not sure if I want to have this goal anymore. So it's constantly updating because I'm constantly changing what my interests are, what my goals are. This summer I was in New York and I had I had a chance to go and do a, a morning workout with the Rockettes. Well, dancing with the Rockettes is on my life list. It was a 6 a.m. class and I did not feel like going. My co-founder of Liston happened to be with me and she looked at me and said, it is on your life list. You better go. <laughs> and that was that moment I realized, okay, the life list it's going to force me to just have more adventures and have more fun. So I went, it was fabulous. And yep, I got to check it right off my life list. That's awesome. I mean, so it's not really a bucket list per se. It's you'd love to just continue. Still searching for a great candidate for your company. Don't search. 
Just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people, or at least it used to be, join more than three 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36 percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to shopify magic your ai powered all-star sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond again go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond this episode is brought to you by shopify Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech. To add to this list and yep. have it be right, right out there in public view for people to maybe keep you accountable? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's and, great. And people, before before opportunities have even come to me, whether it's, um, it's a potential business relationship or um, to take a trip, it, it's been researched on the live list. Oh, she may be interested because of this. Um, I was lucky enough to go to Ethiopia this summer with the nonprofit group Food for the Hungry. And the people on the Food for the Hungry team knew that I went, I was interested in humanitarian work, knew that I wanted to go to Africa. So there were so many, there's so much online stalking, which I say is a good thing, that can be done ahead of time. And, um, and I was successfully stalked. So they knew that I would jump at the chance to get to do some humanitarian work in Africa. So it worked out perfectly. Well, speaking of online stalking, you were sharing that You've got something that you're really interested in right now. Mm-hmm. Would you like to talk a little bit about that? 
Sure. As part of my work as a speaker and a consultant, I stay on top of trends. And one trend that I didn't know all that much about about six months ago and started studying is big data. It's a buzzword that we see on the cover of Entrepreneur Magazine and Fast Company, and it's the next big thing. So I'm tackling what is big data? What do I need to know about it to tell my clients or tell uh, my readers and attendees, what do people need to know? And what I've learned is something that's actually right out there in the open that everything we do online really is documented from our search engine results to our private messages we send on Facebook to the amount of time we spend online to the hours of day we're online to our attitudes and our feelings and our health and the words we use. So all of this is sold as data, as massive, massive store of data. And it, we were told in the, in the past 10 years, don't worry that your user profile is kept, it's anonymous. But as computer science has caught up, now these profiles are easily assigned to who we are. Facebook just started a program essentially asking users to snitch on other users that weren't using their real identities. The reason for this is Facebook and many services like that sell user data as their most profitable revenue source. So you can't sell user data if you can't for sure know who the person is. And the scary part about this is with our online profiles that marketers buy and potential employers buy and insurance agencies can buy, how does everything we're doing affect us and how does it affect those of us who have children? Is the, is the health profile of parents from big data profiles going to be a millstone around the neck of children? Um, these are issues that I think we're going to start hearing about a lot in the next five to 10 years. So then what I did is research how, how these data profiles are actually sold to marketers. And what I've learned is pretty much everything. So how do we combat that? We learn, we learn to use Facebook and Twitter and other social media channels in a more mindful way. If we're using them for business and for marketing, we use it for that. And we find ways to keep our private conversations and our more um, open and transparent information about ourselves private. So what I've been working on for the past three months of building um, my own social network on a server that I own with the source code that I own that will be paywalled um, at an affordable rate, but I can guarantee that data on the users and user habits will never be sold to marketers or insurance companies or anything else. And my goal for that is to, to set up a completely private community on a large scale where users can share the kinds of information they're sharing on Facebook without knowing how dangerous it is on Facebook. How, if, if say if somebody's listening to this and they say, that sounds interesting, or they're even somebody who's already connected with you on some kind of social network and they want to mm-hmm. get in on your social network, do you have any kind of gateway to that yet or like notification of when it's going to launch? This is actually the first time I have ever discussed it publicly. So um, congratulations. Thank you. To your listeners. But um, it's early for me. Um, I 
just decided that it, this would be the perfect place to talk about it. Um, I haven't yet, but there will be something up on AllieWorthington.com right after Thanksgiving okay. to sign up for updates on it. Mm-hmm. Great. And then if people, obviously, uh, I think you said yourself that Twitter is your favorite. I love Twitter. I will, I will definitely be talking about it on Twitter. Okay. So then people should go to <laughs> twitter.com slash A-L-L-I, mm-hmm. and then they can follow you there, and you'll, they'll see your tweets about it, which is awesome. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, and I tweet a lot of links out about big data as well. Yeah. I've noticed that. Actually, you've tweeted a, you've tweeted a lot of um, social media links that I've found very helpful. I my day job is doing social media at a university in Indiana, and so that you know I'm I'm always trying to stay up on top of these things too. So mm-hmm. it's very helpful. Great, glad to hear it. So I think one other thing that I was thinking of asking about was how did you get into iPhone photography? so much that you decided to create an ebook about how to do it better. I love photography. I love capturing the little images that we tend to miss. And one one surprising aspect of adulthood and childhood actually is we don't remember most of our lives. Uh, we we just remember little moments. And we when we see a, a picture or we smell a certain smell, then these moments come rushing back to us. And the beauty of, especially with iPhones, with their amazing cameras, is we can capture these little moments of life that are so special. Whether it's a sunrise or you know, a child doing something goofy, I love the ability to capture that and then have the ability to edit it right there in my hand and send it to Dropbox or Flickr or whatever um, photo hosting it is that I'm using. And then... As I became more and more um, really obsessed with, with taking mobile photos, I realized there were so many different ways that we could use mobile photography to help our lives, whether it's taking a picture of where we're storing something in the house or taking a picture of a plane ticket so I don't have to keep pulling it out of my bag all the time to see when my flight leaves or taking um, taking pictures and then writing writing text on it and emailing it to a friend to help people have visual cues. There's so many great resources that we can use mobile photography um, for. I decided that I definitely wanted to to write an ebook and, and give everyone these resources. I wrote an ebook about Twitter in early 2009 with the plans of updating it every six months. And then instantly became bored with updating it. And so I never updated it. Um, but it was wonderful at the time. And my plans now are to keep up la- updating the iPhone photography ebook. But knowing myself like I, like I do, I might not. Um, but the resources in it are, are really amazing. From, from how to add text to your photos and upload it directly to your WordPress blog so so your blog post may have the ability to go viral um, through Pinterest to um, little best practices on how to keep your photos um, encrypted on Evernote. So you can take pictures of things like serial numbers on um, software, other other information like that that you may need to have. I got the, the let's see, the title is officially, it's iPhone Photography, The Visual Guide. 
mm-hmm. for people that are interested. And I'll put a link to it in the show notes so people can get it. Um, hey, thank you. But one of the other things you're doing with photos, which also seems to tie in again to tribes, is all right, you're going to have to pronounce it for me. What is picha? Oh, picha. Picha? Yeah. P I C H A. Yes. Picha. It is Swahili for picture. Oh, cool. Um, and the idea behind it's a tech startup that I'm doing with some partners, and it combines the marketplace for stock photography with the social good element. So users can, whether whether it's on their mobile phones or um, through the website, uh, and you can sign up for it at picha.co, um, users can upload their photos for sale, add licenses, whether it's a, a license just to use it on a blog post or a standard license or extended license where people can use it on a calendar or, you know, a picture on a hat and sell it. Um, users can put in all their licenses, all their price points themselves, and control that. And then when it sells, you can have the money deposited into your account. Or my favorite thing is you can seamlessly just donate any pro- proceeds from your sales to a charity or an organization that you think would, would be a worthy recipient. I have thousands of images that I don't care to, to try to sell to be a photographer, but I do have a desire to donate resources to certain agencies. So my idea behind Kitchen was, what if we took all these talented photographers out there online, enabled them to upload their archives, put them for sale, these beautiful images, and then that creates revenue for, for all these wonderful organizations. So that's my vision with that. Um, we had a great beta test run with users, and the site's now in redevelopment, so we can put in some features that weren't in the first version. That's the great things about tech sites. You just say, okay, what do you want to have? Let us know. They tell us. We get to, and then we get to completely put in all the changes um, almost instantly. Yeah, that's awesome. I was taking a look at that earlier. I would love to have a platform where you can not just get stock photography for your online content productions, but get them from people who are really going to benefit from, you know, making money that way, as well as they, they have the option to donate, which is even cooler. Oh yeah. And the, and, and people don't realize that the stock photography industry is a $2 billion industry. And most stock photography looks like stock photography. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so accessing, especially for amateur photographers, uh, I'm just an amateur photographer, but with the technology out there, I can take a pretty decent picture. So we have these amazing uh, resources at hand. You know, there's this explosion of photo sharing all over the Internet, but with no real way to sell the images. It's similar to the music industry before iTunes. It was so difficult to purchase music. And then Apple said, wait a minute, we're just going to let you buy a song. And everyone on the Internet said, oh, that is fabulous. Thank you. Yeah. So it, it's, it's that sort of forcing an industry into a completely new model that we're, we're tackling. That's great. Mm-hmm. We've kind of talked a bunch about all the different roles that you have. And I wanted to... Well, I guess we haven't really talked about your family, but I mean, you 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 have a husband and five mm-hmm. sons, which is 
crazy, even crazy to me, who is the eldest of three boys that drove our family crazy. So I can't imagine what you've got going on. But uh, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about how are you handling, you know, the domestic life of, you know, wife and mother, as well as the speaker and the business owner and online magazine editor, iPhone photographer, humanitarian, etc. Like, how are you handling or balancing or blending, as uh, one of my other interviewees said, um, all these different roles and making sure that you're not, at least not often, too often, letting stuff drop through the cracks? Sure, sure. I think that life balance is a great goal, but... It doesn't happen very often. The secret for me has been erring on the side of forgiving myself. Mm. Last year, with my husband and I, we reached a point where we knew one of us had to stop working. Because even with having household help and having, uh, we had this great girl who used to come in every evening and make dinner and help us out around the house. Even with all of that, it was too much for our family. So just in the past three months, now my husband is a full-time stay-at-home dad, and that gives me more leeway to focus on work. Um, it, it's definitely a shift in roles where I, I now have the perspective of breadwinner as the sole breadwinner, whereas before, for so many years in our family, he had that. So it, it's been amazing for the marriage to... to take each other's role and be able to look at the other one and go, okay, this is what it felt like all those years. Right. Um, because it, it's difficult for the person whose primary role is caring for the children. And it's difficult for the, the person who um, is the breadwinner for the family. It is, is gosh, it's very hard. I, I think so often people are interviewed about how they do it all and it makes it sound easy, but it, it's difficult. It's, it's working It's working 10 to 12-hour days, making sure that you're forced to unplug work for a few hours every evening to, to focus on the kids and not get distracted. Uh, my rule is from Sunday morning at sunup till sundown. I don't work. I don't, I, we go to church. We do family activities, but there's no work because I have that tendency to be a workaholic. So a lot of it is just defining what I want and what the family needs and then talking to my husband and saying, okay, this is how, this is how we're going to reach it. Let's help keep each other in line and make sure nothing slips through the cracks. But it's, it's definitely, it's definitely tough, but it's worth it. I mean, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur because I wake up every morning and it's what I have to do. I want to go tell everybody I can that the internet is this, door of opportunity, that it is the last bastion of a, a free market marketplace for everyone to try. And anything that we want to do and we want to learn is accessible at our fingertips. I, mean, I started blogging on a swim, and I remember I had $27, and I bought TypePad for dummies, and that's how it all started. Everything else, I just Googled. And if... For the rest of my career, I'm known as the woman that's yelling at people saying, just Google it and go for it, then that would make me happy. Because too often, especially women, 
um, are taught that we need to ask permission before we can try something. And, and all people, women and men, coming from a background, you know, going through school and going through college and getting your degree and, and all of that, we are always waiting on outside permission to go and try something. Whereas on the internet, everyone gets to try. So I wake up every day so passionate to, to go and yell at the world about it. So maybe I don't take a vacation for a while or I don't have a lot of downtime. There's time for that later. I'll be in a rocking chair with my MacBook one day and I'll slow down then. <laughs> yeah. So let's see. So then your husband kind of shifting his role as sole breadwinner to being kind of the home base captain, I guess is what I'll, I'll randomly come up with. That really he is. It's, yes. <laughs> it, him, him doing that kind of makes, okay, this, this home base is now stable and so that stability allows you then to do all of these these roles and to try and fail and try and fail and try and succeed and to continue to do that. And because you've done it so often, it's that's what's proving – that's what basically proved the the formula to be true is if you keep failing, you'll find something that's successful and you've had enough successes or – and enough con- concurrent successes now that – not only are you doing something that you love to do, yelling at the world or the internet, whichever, both, <laughs> and uh, now he gets to go and, and he gets to stay at home with the sons, which is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's been an interesting shift. I mean, he's somebody who has um, worked in healthcare for years and years. He He has his MBA, and now he's taking all of that that he's done and looked at me a year ago and said, I think I'm okay. I I think I'm ready to go. I think I could focus on home and the boys because we had talked about it before, but he just wasn't ready to make that shift. You know, um, so often our careers, what we feel like define us. So we had to actually wait until the time was right for us as a family, but the time was right for him to say, yeah, I don't feel the career makes me. I'm cool. And and being aware of, of these common pitfalls when when spouses change roles has, has helped us quite a bit. Well, first off, good for him. I mean, to be able to see that and to be okay with that. Like some people would say, well, he's a man. He should work outside the home and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just – I mean, as a man myself, I'm like, good for him. Honestly, I'd love <laughs> to spend uh, – I mean, it would take some adjustment. I'll say that. But – I would love to spend time with my kids as much as that and, and to have that be something that would happen. But, I mean... Yeah, well, and also our boys are a little bit older. The youngest right. is four, but the oldest is 14. So there's a lot of going to basketball games mm-hmm. and, and helping out at football and camping trips. And you know, it's it's very L.L. Bean around here. Right. Surprisingly. <laughs> yeah. And so, and you touched on this, just the empathy or... Well, yeah, empathy, I guess, is the right. That you both now mm-hmm. know how the other one felt at the other point in time before the transition and now after. That that kind of – that that helps the perspective each of you have towards how things were and how things are. Absolutely. It, it makes me realize that I, – I, to be honest, I spent a lot of years as a stay-at-home mom uh, raising our kids. And it makes me realize that maybe all those years when he came home from work and I said, okay, hop to it. 
take care of the diapers and go do some laundry. She probably needed a little time to chill out because now I am focused on work. And when the work day is over, I may still be a little stressed. And the last thing I want to do is jump straight into parenting. And it might be something that, that myths quite a few people, but going from one role to the other is a huge eye opener. Yeah, definitely. And, and now I, I think we both have so much respect for what, what role the other, the other spouse has been doing for so long. So it's, it's a very cool thing for our marriage. One of the questions that I often ask people on the show is in an ideal world, how would you start your day? In an ideal world, I would sleep until 10 because I'm a night owl and I don't like to go to bed before midnight. So I would sleep until 10. Then I would get up and I would not turn my computer on for an hour. I wouldn't immediately check my phone while I'm still in bed because, hello, I sleep with my phone. And I would remember to actually pray and be mindful before I jump into my work day. That would be fantastic. And a large pumpkin spice empty quad would be on my side table. Wait, did you just say quad? Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. I don't mess around when it comes to caffeine. That's, how, that's my secret weapon for getting awesome. everything done. Nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then... so that, would, that would be my, my best day. Yeah. Okay. And that's one of the things that you actually brought up an interesting aspect that I've been leaving out of talking to people about this is where I keep putting emphasis on, you know, starting your day right and all that kind of stuff because, you know, Michael Hyatt and a bunch of other people talk about that all the time. And, and I personally believe that I do better when I start my day right. But what I've been leaving out is this whole aspect of well, I used to be a night owl and I'm not anymore, but you are. How do you deal with that? How does that work into your schedule? Are you cutting off work at a certain time in the evening or, or what? How are you doing that? Well, I, it would be great if I had some helpful tips, but I'm just going to be honest. For years, night alley ruined daytime alley's day every single day because I would stay up working till one or two. And then as the primary caretaking parent, I was also responsible for being up at six and getting everyone out the door for school. Mm. So I was just miserable all the time. Um, now my early bird husband has that responsibility so I can sleep until seven, but I try to force myself to cut off all work by midnight. So normally I'm in bed by 11. I, I read news on my iPhone and mark it so I can share it or, or use it for research the next day and then try to try to go to sleep by 12. And if I have seven hours of sleep, I'm okay. And then I normally start my work day at about 8.30. Okay. So I almost so hear probably like... probably not yeah. the healthiest. Well, but <laughs> but from what I'm what I'm taking away from that is, is you're actually doing some of what your morning work would be the night before when you're oh, more optimal to do it. And I do that with the children, too. No one is allowed to watch TV or relax until their lunches are made, their clothes are all laid out for in the morning... And they even have socks inside their shoes that they're going to wear to school. Because in my mind, nobody feels good in the morning, so do it all the night before. Mm, we, th- I'm stealing some of that right there because we <laughs> have a daughter like a who car. needs that help. That's awesome. Yeah, because so, you're definitely you're getting stuff set up the night before so that you mm-hmm. can – because you don't want to have to do it the next day. So you just plow through it when you can do it, and then you don't have to do it when you don't want to do it. 
or in your you're yeah, at your right. weakest moment. Good stuff. See, you you said that it wasn't going to work, but you you being honest is always going to help more people than just trying to give an ideal scenario. So I I hope so because I hear people give advice all the time and think, wow, that person really has it together. But for me, it's always just a work in progress. Honestly, that's what I was hoping to get from you was that because the whole internet alley versus regular alley (laughs) thing, I mean, mean, I'm not going to lie that, you know, when you spoke at the Quitter Conference, like, that's what I got was, okay, it's good to have goals and it's good to shoot for stuff and not be afraid or at least fake it, fake past your fear to attempt mm-hmm. this stuff. And even if you fail, at least you fail in public and then you realize that wasn't so bad and you can do these things that help you succeed. And so a lot of what I want to talk to people about is just, all right, look, it's not perfect. It's not going to be perfect, but you obviously have made stuff work to a certain extent. So at least help somebody else out, know how to do that, even when you're, you're failing. So Right. And, and, and I think the key to keep in mind, especially for perfectionists, I, I used to want to be a perfectionist because I thought, wow, I could, I would do such a good job at everything if I was a perfectionist. And now I realize that that actually keeps people from attempting things. Um, life is always going to be messy. And if we wait to have all the answers and to make sure that things will work and be successful, we're going to miss out on opportunities either for success or growth or experiences that are so worth it. Do you have any other words of wisdom? I've kind of run out of questions, but I, if there's anything else you'd love to share about, I'd love to talk about it. I think that's about it. Mostly, mostly my obsession is just getting on the Internet every day and, and yelling at people to try, and that nothing at this point in time can stop us when we want to learn something and stick our neck out there and try. Yeah. So don't stop trying and keep Googling. Yes, keep Googling. If I was a superhero, my power would be the super Googler. Nice. I can find out anything on Google. Yeah. Awesome. And they're actually, and Google probably knows because of big data now. Right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> they know that about me. That's probably hung up on the wall in the office. Super Googler. Well, <laughs> Allie, thank you so much for coming on the show. If People want to check you out again on the internet. Obviously, they like we said before, they can find you on Twitter. But where would mm-hmm. you direct people to? My home base is AllieWorthington.com. That has links to all the other projects that I work on and places where I hang out online. Awesome. That's definitely a great place to check out. Even for men, I will say that. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. It's been great to talk with you today. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much. Well, that wraps it up for another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. This also wraps up Season 1. I am taking an extended hiatus until mid to late January with this show. If you're new to the show, you need to now go back and download all the old episodes, seeing what you get out of those. And in the meantime, I'd love for you to go to beyondthetodolist.com slash feedback and write in, you know, what have been your biggest takeaways? Who have been your favorite guests? Who are guests you want to have on season two? 
If you have enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes and you've never taken the time but always thought, I need to go do that, go to beyondthetodolist.com slash iTunes. Once you get there, just click a five-star review or write a review about what you've gotten out of this show. It really helps people find the show. And that'll be really helpful during the hiatus when there's not new episodes come out for it to stay up in the visibility in iTunes. And we will see you next season. Hey, thanks for listening to the end. If you're looking for a show to start helping you apply these productivity lessons on your business, check out Millionaire University. It's real lessons from real entrepreneurs teaching you what you need to know to improve your business or start one if you've been putting it off. It covers all aspects of business from starting marketing, growing, managing, and everything in between, wearing all the hats. And as an added bonus, I am conducting a number of those conversations, those interviews, so you'll fit right in. Again, that's Millionaire University. Just search for it in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast.